Being published in the mainstream media is a great way for nonprofit organizations to educate the public and to influence politicians and policymakers, but it's not always easy to grab the attention of journalists. During an interview conducted in Washington, D.C. with managing editor of Evidence Network Kathleen O'Grady, the vice president of communications for First Focus, Ed Walls, explained how each organization has to find the focus of their message. If I could summarize our communication strategy, it's get attention for our work in the near term and change the way the news covers federal children's issues in the long term. So over the long term, what we're trying to do with every story we get placed is increase the salience of children as a group of Americans whose interests in federal policy may be different from those of other Americans. As more and more organizations are harnessing the power of social media, Ed Walsh warns that they should adopt a multifaceted approach to their communication strategy. My colleague Maddie, who runs our, our digital communications work, took a total Facebook and Twitter presence under 7,000 three years ago, and now we're upwards of 48,000. And we did that because we realized that the more the news landscape changes, the more we have to take responsibility for getting the word out ourselves. But our analysis of the audiences is that it's pretty narrow. It tends to be other advocates like us, folks who have a professional interest in children, like we have a lot of social work students who follow us, and that's great. But that's a relatively narrow slice of the American population. So the reach of traditional media is still, by comparison, infinitely uh, more powerful, more broader, and more impactful on most issues. Combining traditional media outreach and social media self-distribution is and engagement is still productive for us. Journalism associations can be one way of making contact, but this should not be the main focus of a communication strategy, believes Mr. Walsh. I can't reasonably go to a philanthropy and say, we're going to devote a ton of our time to journalism school outreach. I can come to a philanthropy and say, we're going to try and get in the newspaper, because that's what they can then take to their boards. I probably spend 85% of my time on retail media outreach, whether that's immediate-term stuff like we're releasing a report next week, or whether it's long-term stuff like relationship building, prospect cultivation, that sort of thing. Um, I do try to look for opportunities to present at journalism schools and schools of public policy, because I think just as it's important for us to educate journalists about how children's organizations and particularly children's advocates can be useful as sources, I think it's also important to educate folks who are going to go into the business of you know, health policy or children's policy to think about how the media can help them achieve their goals. So what is the most effective way of communicating an organization's message, pushing out evidence and data, or favoring opinion? I don't think that a smart PR person or a smart organization would commit to either or. I think what you really need is to recognize that for some journalists in some circumstances it's going to be the facts, for others it's going to be the spin, and they're both important. We got a ton of attention when a partner organization released a study finding that two and a half million children are homeless in the United States. That's how I got us an AP. I've been pitching David Crary at AP for three years. And although David and I have had great conversations, he's never written the words first focus until that partner study came out. That's a story where the facts actually made all the difference. It wasn't that David didn't know who we were. It wasn't that he and I didn't you know, have great conversations. It's that he needed, he needed something real to report. But on the other hand, we released studies about education 
over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I sent a pointed quote to Makoto Rich at the New York Times that she ran with something that had our name in it. So we get a lot of attention when we release things um, that are truly novel. And oftentimes that means we've done some sort of analysis or contracted with someone for an analysis. We, Because we're an advocacy organization, we also have the freedom to take positions and ex- express opinions. And mm-hmm. it's that as often as some new revelatory fact that gets us attention. Many news outlets have limited staff, reminds Ed Walsh. For example, regional papers might have bureaus in Washington to cover Congress, but because of limited resources, they tend to interview the usual politicians and talking heads. Offering an organization's experts as interviewees can bring a breath of fresh air to the media coverage of certain policy-dense issues. But they're just too busy. They're literally, a big shop would be three people. The names of the federal programs may be completely foreign. The journalists we have to pitch because we just don't have a beat that encompasses those, those issues. And, and I think the other problem is that it's not enterprise reporting, right? Bureau reporting tends to be pretty formulaic. Senate comes out with a torture bill. Well, I call up the congressional delegation and get quotes. Ooh, the Democrats really think it's overdue. The Republicans think it goes too far, right? So that's what a bureau story is like supposed to look like. So they tend to not really look at quotes from folks outside the congressional delegation because for reaction, the paper goes to its reporters on that issue back in the state. Another way is to help journalists understand the intricacies of governmental decisions, says Ed Walls. When I talk to folks about it, I usually give an example. In a big Midwestern daily, you're likely to see over the course of the year two stories that are connected, but you wouldn't know it to read them. You're likely to see a story about how Congress is stalled or acting on the Farm Bill, which you know is an important source of funding for agricultural states like Wisconsin. And then, you know, months later, in the fall, when school starts again, you're likely to see a story about how a local charity or church is raising money to provide backpacks to hungry kids. And the Farm Bill story never mentions that SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, provides half of its funding to children. And the backpack story never mentions that SNAP provides, you know, half of its funding to, to hungry children. Nonprofit organizations should not shy away from approaching non-traditional media that are looking to change the paradigms of journalism. And the journalism in the United States is in, is having some growing pains, right? It hill trades like Politico that are completely new and have, and have changed the competitive paradigm in Washington Hill trade press. The sort of journalism that Ezra Klein is a champion of, he created one blog with this idea that rather than trying to understand the policy through the lens of the politics, that the best way to understand the politics was to understand the policies being advanced. So the interesting thing about one blog is it really lives up to Ezra's brand promise. He rarely starts a sentence with Harry Reid says. Rather, he starts out with, here's a problem you might have heard about or some that you haven't. Here's how the policy works, and here's what the Republicans and Democrats have to say about that and why it's in the other news, just in a very different way. So I think that has been healthy. Before joining First Focus, Ed Walsh worked as vice president at Spitfire Strategies, a consulting firm offering communications support to NGOs and philanthropies. He believes that getting organizations to work together to push out a similar message can mean more attention from the media. And what we did was we helped 
state-based children's advocacy organizations to do a better job communicating about the Children's Health Insurance Program and Medicaid. And I think that's an interesting perspective because it takes organizations like ours and it tries to get them all on message. And then the point being that if the same reporter hears five different messages from five different groups, just by process of the way people work, that's going to be relatively diffuse. But if five groups come to the same reporter with the same message, that message is likely to have a little bit more impact uh, over time. For Evidence Network, I'm Melanie Holoboski.